CD3 Somewhere below Morris's paws and about a street away, the one local rat that the changelings had found alive was crouched in front of dangerous beans. The squads had been called back. This was not turning out to be a good day. Traps that didn't kill, Dark Tan thought. You found them sometimes. Sometimes humans wanted to catch rats alive. Dark Tan didn't trust humans who wanted to catch rats alive. Honest traps that killed outright, well, they were bad, but you could usually avoid them and at least there was something honest about them. Live traps were like poison. They cheated. Dangerous Beans was smelling the newcomer. It was strange, but the rat who could think the most unrat-like thoughts was also the best at talking to Kikis. Except that talking wasn't the right word. No one, not even ham and pork, had a sense of smell like Dangerous Beans. The new rat certainly wasn't giving any trouble. For one thing, it was surrounded by rats who were big and well-fed and tough, so its body was respectfully saying, Sir, as hard as it could. The changelings had also given it some food, which it was engulfing rather than eating. She was in a box trap, said Dark Tan, who was drawing lines on the floor with a stick. We found a lot of them. I got caught in one of those once, said Hammond Pork. Then a female human came along and tipped me out over the garden wall. Couldn't see the point of it. I believe some humans do it to be kind, said Peaches. They get the rat out of the house without killing them. Didn't do her any good anyway, said Hammond Pork with satisfaction. I went back next night and whittled on the cheese. I don't think anyone is trying to be kind here, said Dark Tan. There was another rat in there with her. At least, he added, there was part of a rat in there with her. I think she'd been eating it to stay alive. Very sensible, nodded Hammond Pork. We found something else, Dark Tan said, still drawing furrows in the dirt. Can you see these, sir? He'd drawn a network of lines on the floor. <clears throat> I can see them, but I don't have to know what they are, said Hammond Pork. He rubbed his nose. I've never needed any more than this. Dark Tan gave a patient sigh. Then smell, sir, that this is a... a picture of all the tunnels we've explored today. It's the shape I have in my head. We've explored a lot of the town. There's a lot of the... He glanced at Peaches. A lot of the kind traps, mostly empty. There's poison all over the place. It's mostly quite old. Lot of empty box traps. Lots of killer traps still set. And no live rats. None at all, except for our new friend. We know that's very odd. I sniffed around a bit near where I found her and I smelled rats. Lots of rats. I mean, lots. Alive? said Dangerous Beans. Yes. All in one place? It smells that way, said Dark Tan. I think a squad should go and look. Dangerous Beans padded over to the rat and sniffed at her. The rat sniffed at him. They touched paws. The watching changelings were astonished. Dangerous Beans was treating the Kiki as an equal. Lots of things, lots of things, he murmured. Many rats, humans, fear, lots of fear, lots of rats. Crowded, food, rat. You said she'd been eating rats. It's a ratty rat world said Hammond Pork. Always has been, always will be. Dangerous Beans wrinkled his nose. There's something else. Something odd. Strange. She's really scared. She was in a trap, said Peaches, and then she met us. Much, much worse than that, said Dangerous Beans. She's... She's frightened of us because we're strange rats, but she smells relieved that we're not... What she's used to. Humans, Dark Tan spat. I don't think so. Other rats? Yes, no, no, I don't. It's hard to tell. Dogs? Cats? No. Dangerous Bean stepped back. Something new. What shall we do with her? said Peaches. Let her go, I suppose. We can't do that, said Dark Tan. We've triggered all the traps we've found. 
but there are still poisons all over the place. I wouldn't send a mouse out into that lot. She hasn't tried to attack us after all. So, said Ham and Pork, what's another dead gee-gee? I know what dark tan means, said Peaches. We can't just send her out to die. Big Savings stepped forward and put a paw around the young female, cuddling her protectively. She glared at Ham and Pork. Although she might nip him sometimes if she was annoyed, she wouldn't argue with him. She was too old to do that. But her look said, All males are stupid, you stupid old rat. He looked lost. We've killed key keys, haven't we? he said. Why do we want this one hanging around? We can't send her out to die, said Peaches again, looking at Dangerous Bean's expression. He had that faraway look in his pink eyes. You want it trailing around, eating our food and messing things up, said Hammond Pork. It can't talk, it can't think. Nor could we not long ago, snapped Peaches. We were all like her. We can think now, young female, said Hammond Pork, his hair rising. Yes, said Dangerous Beans quietly. We can think now. We can think about what we do. We can pity the innocent one who means us no harm, and that's why she can stay. Hammond Pork's head turned sharply. Dangerous Beans was still facing the newcomer. Hammond Pork reared up instinctively, a rat ready to fight, but Dangerous Beans couldn't see him. Peaches watched the old rat with concern. He'd been challenged by a weedy little rat who would not last a second in a fight, and Dangerous Beans hadn't even realised he'd made the challenge. He doesn't think like that, Peaches told herself. The other rats were watching Ham and Pork. They still thought like that and were waiting to see what he would do. But it was dawning even on Ham and Pork that pouncing on the white rat would be unthinkable. It would be like cutting off his own tail. He very carefully let himself relax. It's just a rat, he muttered. But you, dear Ham and Pork, are not said Dangerous Beans. Will you go with Dark Tan's crew to find out where she came from? It could be dangerous. This made Hammond Pork's hair rise again. I'm not afraid of danger, he roared. Of course not. That is why you should go. She was terrified, said Dangerous Beans. I've never been scared of anything, shouted Hammond Pork. Now Dangerous Beans turned to face him. In the candlelight there was a glow in the pink eyes. Hammond Pork was not a rat who spent a lot of time thinking about things he couldn't see or smell or bite, but he looked up. The candlelight made big rat shadows dance on the wall. Hammond Pork had heard the young rats talking about shadows and dreams and what happened to your shadow after you died. He didn't worry about that stuff. Shadows couldn't bite you. There was nothing to be frightened of in shadows. But now... His own voice in his own head told him, I'm frightened of what those eyes can see. Hammond Pork glared at Dark Tan, who was scratching something in the mud with one of his sticks. I'll go, but I will lead the expedition, he said. I'm senior rats here. That doesn't worry me, said Dark Tan. Mr Clicky is going to be going in front in any case. I thought he got smashed last week said Peaches. We've got two left, said Darktan. Then we'll have to raid another pet shop. I'm the leader, said Hammond Pork. I'll say what we do, Darktan. Fine, sir, fine, said Darktan, still drawing in the mud. And you know how to make all the traps safe, do you? No, but I can tell you to. Good, good, said Darktan, making more marks with his stick and not looking at the leader. And you'll tell me which levers to leave alone and which bits to wedge open, will you? I don't have to understand about traps, said Hammond Pork. But I do, sir, said Dark Tan, speaking in the same calm voice. And I'm telling you that there's a couple of things about some of these new ones I don't understand. And until I understand them, I'd very respectfully suggest that you leave it all to me. That is not the way to talk to a superior rat. Dark Tan gave him a look 
and Peaches held her breath. This is the showdown, she thought. This is where we find out who is the leader. Then Darktan said, I am sorry. Impertinence was not intended. Peaches picked up the astonishment amongst the older males who were watching Darktan. He backed down. He hadn't leapt. But he hadn't cowered either. Ham and Pork's fur settled. The old rat was at a loss to know how to deal with this. All the signals were mixed up. Well, there. Uh, obviously, as the leader, you must give the orders, said Darktan. Yes, sir. Uh, but my advice, sir, is that we investigate this. Unknown things are dangerous. Yes, certainly, said Hammond Pork. Yes, indeed, we will investigate, of course. See to it. I am the leader, and that is what I am saying. Morris looked around at the inside of the rat catcher's shed. It looks like a rat catcher's shed, he said. Benches, chairs, stove, lots of rat skins hanging up, piles of old traps, a couple of dog muzzles, rolls of wire netting, a considerable amount of a, a lack of any dusting ever being done. It's what I'd have expected a rat catcher's hut to look like inside. I was expecting something horrible yet interesting, said Melissa. Some ghastly clue. Does there have to be a clue, said Keith. Of course, said Melissa, looking under a chair. Look, cat, there's two types of people in the world. There are those who have got the plot and those that haven't. The world hasn't got a plot, said Morris. Things just happen one after another. Only if you think of it like that, said Melissa, far too smugly in Morris's opinion. There's always a plot. You just have to know where to look. She paused for a moment and then said, Look, that's the word. There'll be a secret passage, of course. Everyone look for the entrance to the secret passage. Er, uh, how will we know it's the entrance to a secret passage? said Keith, looking even more bewildered than normal. What does a secret passage look like? It won't look like one, of course. Oh, well, in that case I can see dozens of secret passages, said Morris. Doors, windows, that calendar from the Acme Poison Company, that cupboard over there, that rat hole, that desk, that... You're just being sarcastic, said Melissa, lifting up the calendar and sternly inspecting the wall behind it. Actually, I was just being flippant, said Morris, but I can do sarcastic if you like. Keith stared at the long bench, which was in front of a window frosted with ancient cobwebs. Traps were piled up on it all kinds of traps, and beside them were row upon row of battered old tins and jars with labels like Danger, Hydrogen Dioxide, and Ratbane, and Fire Gut, and Polyputacetalon, Extreme Caution, and Rat Away, and Killer Rat, and Essence of Barbed Wire Danger, and, he leaned closer to look at this one, Sugar. There were a couple of mugs, too, and a teapot. White and green and grey powder was scattered on the bench. Some of it had even fallen on the floor. "'You might try to be of some help,' said Melissa, tapping the walls. "'I don't know how to look for something that doesn't look like the thing I'm looking for,' said Keith. "'And they keep the poison right next to the sugar. So many poisons!' Melissa stood back and brushed her hair out of her eyes. "'This isn't working,' she said. "'I suppose... There might not be a secret passage, said Morris. I know it's a rather daring idea, but perhaps this is just an ordinary shed. Even Morris recoiled a little from the force of the stare Melissa turned on him. There has to be a secret passage, she said. Otherwise, there's no point, she snapped her fingers. Of course, we are doing it wrong. Everyone knows you never find the secret passage by looking for it. It's when you give up and lean against the wall that you inadvertently operate the secret switch. Morris looked at Keith for help. He was a human, after all. He should know how to deal with something like Melissa. But Keith was just wandering around the shed, staring at things. Melissa leaned against the wall with incredible nonchalance. There was not a click. 
a panel in the floor did not slide back. Probably it's the wrong place, she said. I'll just rest my arm innocently on this coat hook. A sudden door in the wall completely failed to happen. Of course, it'd help if there was an ornate candlestick, said Melissa. They're always a sure-fire secret passage lever. Every adventurer knows that. There isn't a candlestick, said Morris. I know. Some people totally fail to have any idea of how to design a proper secret passage, said Melissa. She leaned against another piece of wall, which had no effect whatsoever. I don't think you'll find it that way, said Keith, who was carefully examining a trap. Oh, won't I, said Melissa. Well, at least I'm being constructive about things. Where would you look if you're such an expert? Why is there a rat hole in a rat catcher's shed, said Keith. It smells of dead rats and wet dogs and poison. I wouldn't come near this place if I was a rat. Melissa glared at him. Then her face wrapped itself in an expression of acute concentration, as if she was trying out several ideas in her head. Yes, she said, that usually works in stories. It's often the stupid person who comes up with the good idea by accident. She crouched down and peered into the hole. There's a sort of little lever, she said. I'll just give it a little push. There was a clonk under the floor. Part of it swung back, and Keith dropped out of sight. Oh, yes, said Melissa. I thought something like that would probably happen. Mr. Clicky bumped along the tunnel, making a whirring noise. Young rats had chewed his ears, and his string tail had been chopped off by a trap, and other traps had dented his body. But he had this advantage. Surprise traps couldn't kill Mr. Clicky, because he wasn't alive, and he wasn't alive because he was powered by clockwork. His key whirred round. A stub of candle burned on his back. The rest of the number one trap squad watched. Any minute now, said Dark Tan. There was a snap and a sound best described as gloink. The light went out. Then a gear wheel rolled slowly back down the tunnel and fell over in front of Hammondpork. I thought the soil looked a bit disturbed there, said Dark Tan in a satisfied voice. He turned around. OK, lads, break out another Mr Clicky, and I want half a dozen of you with a rope to dig out that trap and drag it out of the way. All this testing the ground is slowing us down, Dark Tan, said Hammondpork. Fine, sir, said Dark Tan as the squad hurried past them. You go on ahead. That'd be a good idea, because we've only got one Mr Clicky left. I hope this town's got a pet shop. The rats had found one in the town of Quirm, which is where they'd got the Mr Clickies. They were on a shelf labelled Kitty Toys, along with a box of squeaky rubber rats called, with great imagination, Mr Squeaky. The rats had tried to set off traps by poking them with a rubber rat on the end of a stick, but the squeak when the trap shut upset everyone. No one cared about what happened to a Mr Clicky. "'I just think we should move faster,' said Hammondpork. OK, off you go then, sir. Try to shout out where the next trap is before it gets you. I am the leader, Dark Tan. Yes, sir, I'm sorry. We're all getting a bit tired. Oh, this is not a good place, Dark Tan, said Hammond Pork wearily. I've been in some bad holes and this is worse than any of them. That's true, sir. This place is dead. What's that word dangerous beans invented? Avail said Dark Tan, watching the squad drag the trap out of the walls of the tunnel. He could see mangled springs and wheels in the jaws. He added, I couldn't quite understand what he was going on about at the time, but now I think I can see what he meant. He looked back along the tunnel to where a candle flame burned and grabbed a passing rat. Peaches and dangerous beans are to stay right back, understand? he said. They're not to come any further. Right, sir said the rat, and hurried away. The expedition moved forward cautiously as the tunnel opened up into a large old drain. It had a trickle of water in the bottom. There were ancient pipes in the roof of it. Here and there steam hissed from them. Weak green light came from a street's grating further down the drain. The place smelled of rats. It smelled freshly of rats. In fact, 
there was a rat in there, nibbling at a tray of food that had been set on a crumbling brick. It glanced at the changelings and fled. Get after it, Hammond Pork yelled. No, shouted Dark Tan. A couple of rats, who'd begun to chase the Kiki, hesitated. That was an order I gave, roared Hammond Pork, turning on Dark Tan. The trap expert made a very brief crouch and said, Of course, but I think the view of Hammond Pork in possession of all the facts will be a little different than the view of Hammond Pork who just shouted because he saw a rat run away, hmm? Sniff the air. Hammond Pork's nose wrinkled. Poison? Dark Tan nodded. Grey number two, he said. Foul stuff. It's best to keep well away. Hammond Pork looked both ways along the pipe. It went on for a long way and was just about high enough for a human to crawl along it. Lots of smaller pipes hung near the ceiling. It's warm here, said Hammond Pork. Yes, sir. Peaches has been reading the guidebook. Hot springs of water comes up out of the ground here and they pump it around to some of the houses. Why? To bathe in, sir. Hmm. Hammond Pork didn't like that idea. A lot of the young rats were keen on taking baths. Dark Tan turned to the squad. Hammond Pork wants that poison buried and whittled on and a marker on it right now. Hammond Pork heard a metallic sound beside him. He turned and saw that Dark Tan had drawn from his web of tools a long, thin piece of metal. What the crick is that? he said. Dark Tan swished the thing backwards and forwards. I got a stupid-looking kid to make this for me he said. Then Hammond Pork realised what it was. That's a sword, he said. You got the idea out of Mr Bunsey as an adventure. That's right. I've never believed that stuff, Hammond Pork grumbled. It's too far-fetched. But a spike is a spike, said Dark Tan calmly. I think we're close to the other rats. It'd be a good idea if most of us stay here. Sir. Hammond Pork felt he was being given orders again but Dark Tan was being polite. I suggest that a few of us go on ahead to sniff them out, Dark Tan went on. Sardines would be useful, and I'll go, of course. And me, said Hammond Pork. He glared at Dark Tan, who said, Of course. Chapter 7 And because of Ollie the Snake's trick with the road sign, Mr Bunsey did not know that he had lost his way. He wasn't going to Howard the Stoat's tea party. He was heading into the dark wood. From Mr Bunsey Has an Adventure Melissa looked at the open trapdoor as if giving it marks out of ten. Quite well hidden, she said. No wonder we didn't see it. I'm not hurt much, Keith called up from the darkness. Good, said Melissa, still inspecting the trapdoor. How far down are you? It's some sort of cellar. I'm okay because I landed on some sacks. All right, all right. No need to go on about it. This wouldn't be an adventure if there weren't some minor hazards, said the girl. Here's the top of a ladder. Why didn't you use it? I was unable to on account of falling past, said the voice of Keith. Shall I carry you down, said Melissa to Morris. Shall I scratch your eyes out, said Morris. Melissa's brow wrinkled. She always looked annoyed when she didn't understand something. "'Fuzz, that sarcasm?' she said. "'That was a suggestion,' said Morris. "'I don't do picking up by strangers. You go down, I'll follow.' "'But you haven't got the legs for ladders. Do I make personal remarks about your legs?' Melissa descended into the dark. There was a metallic noise, and then the flare of a match. "'It's full of sex,' said Melissa. I know, came the voice of Keith. I landed on them, I did say. It's grain, and, and there's strings on strings of sausages. There's smoked meat, bins of vegetables. It's full of food. Ah, ah, get out of my hair, get off. That cat just jumped onto my head. Morris leapt off her and onto some sacks. Ha, said Melissa, rubbing her head. We were told that the rats had got it all. I see it all now. The rat catchers get everywhere. They know all the sewers, all the cellars. And to think those thieves get paid out of our taxes. Morris looked around the cellar. 
lit by the flickering lantern in Melissa's hand. There was, indeed, a lot of food. Nets hanging from the ceiling were indeed stuffed with big, white, heavy cabbages. The aforesaid sausages did indeed loop from beam to beam. There were indeed jars and barrels and sacks and sacks, and indeed they all worried him. "'That's it, then,' said Melissa. "'What a hiding place! "'We are going to go right away to the town watch, "'report what we've found, "'and then it's a big cream tea for all of us, "'and possibly a medal, and then—' "'I'm suspicious,' said Morris. "'Why?' "'Because I'm a suspicious character. "'I wouldn't trust your rat catchers "'if they told me the sky was blue. "'What have they been doing? "'Pinching the food and then saying it was the rats, "'honest, and everyone believed them?' No, stupid. People have found gnawed bones and empty egg baskets, that sort of thing, said Melissa, and rat droppings all over the place. I suppose you could scratch the bones, and I suppose rat catchers could shovel up a lot of rat droppings, Morris conceded. And they're killing all the real rats so that there's more for them, said Melissa triumphantly. Very clever. Yeah, and that's a bit puzzling, said Morris. "'because we've met your rat-catchers, and frankly, "'if it was raining meatballs, they wouldn't be able to find a fork.' "'I'm thinking about something,' said Keith, "'who had been humming it to himself. "'Well, I'm glad someone has,' Melissa began. "'It's about wire netting,' said Keith. "'There was wire netting in the shed. "'Is this important? "'Why do rat-catchers need rolls of wire netting?' How should I know? Cages, maybe? Does it matter? Why would rat catchers put rats in cages? Dead rats don't run away, do they? There was silence. Morris could see that Melissa was not happy about that comment. It was an unnecessary complication. It spoiled the story. I may be stupid looking, Keith added, but I'm not stupid. I have time to think about things because I don't keep on talking all the time. I look at things. I listen. I try to learn. I... I don't talk all the time. Morris let them argue and stalked away into the corner of the cellar. Or cellars. They seemed to go on a long way. He saw something streak across the floor in the shadows and leapt before he could think. His stomach remembered that it had been a long time since the mouse and it connected itself straight to his legs. All right, he said, as the thing squirmed in his paws. Speak up, or a small stick hit him very sharply. Do you mind? said Sardines, struggling to get up. There's no need to be like that, muttered Morris, trying to lick his smarting nose. I've got a hat on right, snapped Sardines. Do you ever bother to look? All right, all right, Rory, why are you here? Sardines brushed himself off. Looking for you or the stupid-looking kid, he said. Ham and pork sent me. We're in trouble now. You just won't believe what we've found. He wants me, said Morris. I thought he didn't like me. Well, he said it's nasty and evil, so you wouldn't know what to do, boss, said Sardines, picking up his hat. Look at that, will you? Your claw went right through it. "'But I did ask you if you could talk, didn't I?' said Morris. "'Yes, you did, but I always ask. "'I know, so I'm very definite about asking, you know.' "'Yes, yes, you made your point, I believe you,' said Sardines. "'I only complained about the hat.' "'I'd hate anyone to think that I don't ask,' said Morris. "'There's no need to go on and on about it,' said Sardines. "'Where's the kid?' "'Back there.' "'Talking to the girl,' said Morris sulkily. "'What, the mad one?' "'That's her.' "'You'd better get them. This is seriously evil. "'There's a door at the other end of these cellars. "'I'm amazed you can't smell it from here.' "'I'd just like everyone to be clear that I ask, that's all. "'Boss,' said Sardines, "'this is serious.' "'Peaches and Dark Tan waited for the exploration party.' They were with Toxy, another young male rat, who was good at reading and acted as a kind of assistant. Peaches had also brought The Adventures of Mr Bunsey. "'They've been gone a long time,' said Toxy. "'Dark Tan checks every step,' 
said Peaches. Something's wrong, said Dangerous Beans, his nose wrinkled. A rat scurried down the tunnel and pushed frantically past them. Dangerous Beans sniffed the air. Fear, he said. Three more rats scrambled past, knocking him over. What's happening? said Peaches, as another rat spun her around in its effort to get past. It squeaked at her and rushed on. That was finest, she said. Why didn't she say anything? More fear, said Dangerous Beans. They're scared, terrified. Toxie tried to stop the next rat. It bit him and ran on, chittering. We must go back, said Peaches urgently. What have they found up there? Maybe it's a ferret. Can't be, said Toxie. Hammond Pork killed a ferret once. Three more rats ran past, trailing fear behind them. One of them squealed at Peaches, gibbered madly at Dangerous Beans and ran on. They... they've forgotten how to talk, whispered Dangerous Beans. Something terrible must have frightened them, said Peaches, snatching up her notes. They've never been that frightened, said Toxie. Remember when that dog found us? We were all frightened, but we talked, and we trapped it, and Ammon Pork saw it off whimpering. To her shock, Peaches saw that Dangerous Beans was crying. They've forgotten how to talk. Half a dozen more rats pushed their way past, screeching. Peaches tried to stop one, but it just squeaked at her and dodged out of the way. That was Feeds Four, she said, turning to Toxie. I was talking to her only an hour ago. She... Toxie? Toxie's fur was bristling. His eyes were unfocused. His mouth was open, showing his teeth. He stared at her, or right through her, and then turned and ran. She turned and put her paws around dangerous beans as the fear swept over them. There were rats. From wall to wall, floor to ceiling, there were rats. The cages were crammed full of them. They clung to the wire in front and to roofs. The netting strained with the weight. Glistening bodies boiled and tumbled, paws and noses thrusting through the holes. The air was solid with squeaking and rustling and chittering, and it stank. What was left of Hammond Pork's exploration party were clustered in the middle of the room. Most of it had fled by now. If the smells in that room had been sounds, they would have been shouts and screams, thousands of them. They filled the long room with a strange kind of pressure. Even Morris could feel it as soon as Keith opened the door. It was like a headache outside your head trying to get in. It banged on the ears. Morris was staying a little way behind. You didn't need to be very clever to see that this was a bad situation and one which might need some running away from at any time. He saw, between their legs, dark tan and ham and pork and a few other changelings. They were in the middle of the floor, looking up at the cages. He was amazed to see that even ham and pork was trembling, but he was trembling with rage. Let them out, he shouted up to Keith. Let them all out. Let them all out now. And does a talking rat, said Melissa. Let them out, ham and pork screamed. All these foul Cages, said Melissa, staring. I did say about the wire netting, said Keith. Look, you can see where it's been repaired. They gnawed through wire to escape. I said, let them out, screamed Hammond Pork. Let them out or I will kill you. Evil, evil, evil. But they're just rats, said Melissa. Hammond Pork leapt and landed on the girl's waist. He swarmed up towards her neck. She froze. He hissed. There are rats eating one another in there. I will gnaw you, you you evil. Keith's hand grasped him firmly round the waist and pulled him off her neck. Screeching, hair bristling, Ham and Pork sunk his teeth into Keith's finger. Melissa gasped. Even Morris winced. Ham and Pork drew his head back, blood dripping from his muzzle, and blinked in horror. Tears welled up in Keith's eyes. Very carefully, he put ham and pork down on the floor. It's the smell, he said quietly. It upsets them. I I thought you said they were tame, said Melissa, able to speak at last. She picked up a lump of wood that was leaning against the cages. Keith knocked it out of her hand. Never, ever threaten one of us. He attacked you. Look around. This is not 
a story. This is real. Do you understand? They're frightened out of their minds. How dare you talk to me like that? Melissa shouted. I will. One of us, eh? Was that a rat swear word? Do you even swear in rat, rat boy? Just like cats, Morris thought. You stand face to face and scream at one another. His ears swivelled as he heard another sound in the distance. Someone was coming down the ladder. Morris knew from experience that this was no time to talk to humans. They always said things like, What? and That's not right, or Where? Get out of here right now, he said as he ran past Dark Tan. Don't get human about it, just run. And that was quite enough heroism, he decided. It didn't pay to let other people actually slow you down. There was a rusty old drain set in the wall. He skidded on the slimy floor as he changed direction, and there, yes, was a Morris-sized hole where a bar had rusted clean away. Paws scrabbling for speed, he darted through the hole just as the rat catchers entered the room of cages. Then, safe in the darkness, he turned around and peered out. Time to check. Was Morris safe? All legs present? Tail? Yes. Good. He could see Dark Tan tugging at Ham and Pork, who seemed to have frozen on the spot, the others scuttling towards another drain on the opposite wall. They moved unsteadily. That's what happens when you let yourself go, Morris thought. They think they're educated, but in a tight corner a rat is just a rat. Now me, I'm different. Brains functioning perfectly at all times, always on the lookout, on the case, and sniffing bottom. The caged rats were making a din. Keith and the storytelling girl were watching the rat catchers in amazement. The rat catchers weren't unamazed either. On the floor, Dark Tan gave up trying to get ham and pork to move. He drew his sword, looked up at the humans, hesitated, and then ran for the drain. Yes, let them sort it out. They're all human, Morris thought. They've all got big brains, they can talk, it should be no problem at all. <laughs> Tell them a story, storytelling girl. Ratcatcher One stared at Melissa and Keith. What are you doing here, miss? he said, his voice creaking with suspicion. Playing mummies on daddies, said Ratcatcher Two cheerfully. You broke into our shed, said Ratcatcher One. That's called breaking in, that is. You've been stealing, yes, stealing food and blaming it on rats, snapped Melissa. And why have you got all these rats caged up in here? And what about the aglets, eh? Surprised, eh? Didn't think anyone would notice them, eh? Aglets, said Ratcatcher One, his brow wrinkling. Uh, the little bits on the end of bootlaces, mumbled Keith. Ratcatcher One spun around. You bloody idiot, Bill. I said we had enough real ones. I told you someone would notice. Didn't I tell you someone would notice? Someone noticed. Yes, don't think you've got away with anything, said Melissa. Her eyes were gleaming. I know your onies are humorous thugs. One big fat one, one thin one. It's obvious. So who's the big boss? Ratcatcher One's eyes glazed slightly, as they often did when Melissa talked at people. He waved a fat finger at her. You know what your father's been and gone and done just now, he said. Ha! Humorous thug talk, said Melissa triumphantly. Do go on. He's been and gone and sent for a rat piper, said Ratcatcher too. He costs a fortune. Three hundred dollars a town, and if you don't pay up, he gets really mean. Oh dear, thought Morris. Someone's been and gone and sent for the real one. Three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars? And we only charged thirty. It's you, isn't it? said Ratcatcher One, waving his finger at Keith. The stupid-looking kid. You turn up, and suddenly there's all these new rats around. There's something I don't like about you. You and your funny-looking cat. If I see that funny-looking cat again, it's going to have a mittens. In the darkness of the drain, Morris shrank back. Hur, <laughs> said Ratcatcher Two. He'd probably studied to get a thug laugh like that, Morris thought. And we don't have a boss said Ratcatcher One. Yeah, we're our own bosses, said Ratcatcher Two. And then the story went wrong. And you, miss, said Ratcatcher One, turning to Melissa, are too lippy by half. He swung his fist, lifting her off her feet and slamming her against the rat cages. 
The rats went mad and the cages boiled with frantic activity as she slumped to the ground. The rat-catcher turned to Keith. "'You're going to try anything, kid?' he said. "'You're going to try anything?' She was a girl, so I was nice and kind, but you I'll put in one of the cages. Yeah, and they ain't been fed today, said a delighted ratcatcher too. Go on, kid, Morris thought. Do something. But Keith just stood there, staring at the man. Ratcatcher one looked him up and down scornfully. What's that you got there, boy? A pipe? Give it here. The pipe was grabbed from Keith's belt, and he was pushed to the floor. A penny whistle? "'Think you're the rat piper, do you?' Ratcatcher one snapped the pipe in two and tossed the bits inside. "'You know, they say that over in Pork Scratchens, "'the rat piper let all the kids out of the town. "'Now there was a man with a right idea.' Keith looked up. His eyes narrowed. He got to his feet. "'Here it comes,' thought Morris. "'He's going to leap forward with superhuman strength "'because he's so angry, "'and they're going to wish they'd never been born.' Keith leapt forward with ordinary human strength, landed one punch on Ratcatcher 1, and was smacked to the floor again by a big, brutal sledgehammer blow. All right, all right, he got knocked down, thought Morris, as Keith struggled for breath. But he's going to get up again. There was a shrill scream, and Morris thought, Aha! But the scream hadn't come from the wheezing Keith. A grey figure had launched itself from the top of the rat cages right at the rat catcher's face. It landed teeth first and blood spurted from the rat catcher's nose. Aha! thought Morris again. It's ham and pork to the rescue. What? Mrrrlip! I'm thinking like the girl. I keep thinking it's a story. The rat catcher grabbed at the rat and held him out at arm's length by his tail. Ham and pork twisted and turned, squealing with rage. His captor dabbed at his nose with his spare hand and stared at Ham and Pork as he struggled. "'He's a bit of a fighter,' said Ratcatcher 2. "'How did he get out?' "'Not one of ours,' said Ratcatcher 1. "'He's a red.' "'Red? What's red about him?' "'A red rat's a kind of grey rat, as you would very well know if you were an experienced guild member like me,' said the Ratcatcher. "'They ain't local. You get them down on the plains. Funny to find one up here.' Very funny. Greasy old devil, too. But game as anything. Your nose is all runny. Yeah, I know. I've had more rat bites than you've had hot dinners. Don't feel them any more, said Ratcatcher One, in a voice that suggested that the spinning, screeching ham and pork was a lot more interesting than his colleague. I only have cold sausage for dinner. There you are, then. What a little fighter you are, to be sure. Real little devil, aren't you? Plucky as anything. Can't of you to say so. I was talking to the rat, mister. The rat catcher prodded Keith with his boot. Go and tie up these two somewhere, OK? We'll put them in one of the other cellars for now. One with a proper door and a proper lock and no handy little trap doors. And you give me the key. She's the mayor's daughter, said rat catcher too. Mares can get really upset about daughters. Then he'll do what he's told, right? You gonna give that rat a good squeezing? What? A fighter like this one? Are you joking? It's thinking like that that'll keep your rat catcher's assistant for your whole life. I've got a much better idea. How many's in the special cage? Morris watched Ratcatcher 2 go and examine one of the other cages on the far wall. Only two rats left. They've eaten the other four, he reported. Just skin left. Very neat. Ah, so they'll be full of vim and vinegar. Well, we'll see what they do to him, shall we? Morris heard a little wire door open and shut. Hammond Pork was seeing red. It filled his vision. He'd been angry for months, down inside. Angry at humans. Angry at the poisons and the traps. Angry at the way younger rats weren't showing respect. Angry that the world was changing so fast. Angry that he was growing old. And now the smells of terror and hunger and violence met the anger coming the other way and they mingled and flowed through ham and pork in a great red river of rage. He was a cornered rat. But he was a cornered rat who could think. He'd always been a vicious fighter long before there was all this thinking and he was still very strong. 
A couple of dumb, swanking young kikis with no tactics and no experience of down-and-dirty cellar fighting and no fancy footwork and no thoughts were simply not a contest. A tumble, a twist, and two bites were all it took. The caged rats across the room leapt back from the netting. Even they could feel the fury. Now there's a clever boy, said Ratcatcher One admiringly when it was all over. I've got a use for you, my lad. Not the pit, said Ratcatcher Two. Yes, the pit. Tonight? Yeah, cause fancy Arthur is putting in his jacko on a bet to kill a hundred rats in less than a quarter of an hour. I bet he can too. Jacko's a good terrier. He did ninety a few months ago, and fancy Arthur has been training him up. Should be a good show. You'd bet on Jacko doing it, would you? said Ratcatcher One. Sure, everyone will be. Even with our little friend here among the rats, said Ratcatcher One, full of lovely spite and bite and boiling bile. Well, er, uh, yeah, right, Ratcatcher One grinned. I don't like leaving those kids here, though. It's them kids, not those kids, get it right. How many times have I told you, Rule 27 of the Guild sounds stupid. People get suspicious of rat catchers that talk too good. Sorry. Talk thick, be clever. That's the way to do it, said Ratcatcher One. Sorry, I forgot. You tend to do it the other way round. Sorry, them kids. It's cruel tying people up. And they're only kids after all. So? So it'll be a lot easier to take them down the tunnel to the river and hit them on the head and throw them in. They'll be miles down river before anyone fishes them out, and they probably won't even be recognisable by the time the fish have finished with them. Morris heard a pause in the conversation. Then Ratcatcher One said, I didn't know you were such a kind-hearted soul, Bill. Right, and, sorry, and I've got an idea about getting rid of this piper too. The next voice came from everywhere. It sounded like a rushing wind, and, in the heart of the wind, the groan of something in agony. It filled the air. No, we can use the piper. No, we can use the piper, said Ratcatcher One. That's right, said Ratcatcher Two. I was just thinking the same thing. Er, how can we use the piper? Once again, Morris heard a sound like a wind blowing through a cave, but it seemed to be in his head rather than in the air. Isn't it obvious? "'Isn't it obvious?' said Ratcatcher One. "'Yeah, obvious,' muttered Ratcatcher Two. "'Obviously it's obvious, er... "'Morris watched the Ratcatcher open several of the cages, "'grab rats and drop them into a sack. "'He saw ham and pork tipped into one too. "'And then the Ratcatchers had gone, "'dragging the other humans with them, "'and Morris wondered, "'Where in this maze of cellars is a Morris-sized hole? "'Cats can't see in the dark.' What they can do is see by very little light. A tiny scrap of moonlight was filtering into the space behind him. It was coming through a tiny hole in the ceiling, barely big enough for a mouse, and certainly not big enough for a Morris, even if he could reach it. It illuminated another cellar. By the looks of it, the rat catchers used this one too. There were a few barrels stacked in one corner, and piles of broken rat cages. Morris prowled around it, looking for another way out. There were doors, but they had handles, and even his mighty brain couldn't figure out the mystery of doorknobs. There was another drain grating in the wall, though. He squeezed through it. Another cellar. And more boxes and sacks. But at least it was dry, though. A voice behind him said, What kind of thing are you? He spun around. All he could make out were boxes and sacks. The air still stank of rats, and there was a continuous rustling, and the occasional faint squeak, but the place was a little piece of heaven compared to the hell of the cage room. The voice had come from behind him, hadn't it? He must have heard it, mustn't he? Because it seemed to him that he just had something like the memory of hearing a voice, something that had arrived in his head without bothering to go through his ragged ears. It had been the same with the rat-catchers. They talked as if they'd heard a voice and thought it was their own thoughts. The voice hadn't really been there, had it? I can't see you, 
said the memory. I don't know what you are. It was not a good voice for a memory to have. It was all hisses, and it slid into the mind like a knife. Come closer. Morris's paws twitched. The muscles in his legs started to push him forward. He extended his claws and got control of himself. Someone was hiding amongst the boxes, he thought, and it would probably not be a good idea to say anything. People could get funny about talking cats. You couldn't rely on everyone being as mad as the storytelling girl. Come closer! The voice seemed to pull at him. He'd have to say something. I'm happy where I am, thank you, said Morris. Then will you share our pain? The last word hurt. But it did not, and this was surprising, hurt a lot. The voice had sounded sharp and loud and dramatic, as if the owner was keen to see Morris rolling in agony. Instead, it gave him a very brief headache. When the voice arrived again, it sounded very suspicious. What kind of creature are you? Your mind is wrong. I prefer amazing, said Morris. Anyway, who are you asking me questions in the dark? All he could smell was rat. He heard a faint sound off to his left, and just made out the shape of a very large rat creeping towards him. Another sound made him turn. Another rat was coming from the other direction. He could only just make it out in the gloom. A rustle ahead of him suggested that there was a rat right in front, slipping quietly through the dark. Here come my eyes. What? Cat! Cat! Kill! Chapter 8 Mr. Bunsey realised that he was a fat rabbit in the dark wood and wished he wasn't a rabbit, or at least not a fat one. But Ratty Rupert was on the way. Little did he know what was waiting for him. From Mr. Bunsey Has an Adventure When the three rats leapt, they were already too late. There was just a Morris-shaped hole in the air. Morris was across the room and scrambling up some boxes. There was squeaking below him. He jumped onto another box and saw a place in the wall where some of the rotten bricks had fallen out. He aimed for it, scrabbled on thin air as bricks moved under him, and pushed himself into the unknown. It was another cellar. And it was full of water. In fact, what it was full of was not exactly water. It was what water eventually becomes when rat cages drain into it, and gutters up above drain into it, and it has had the chance to sit and bubble gently to itself for a year or so. To call it mud would be an insult to perfectly respectable swamps all over the world. Morris landed in it. It went gloop. He cat-paddled furiously through the thick stuff, trying not to breathe, and dragged himself out on what felt like a pile of rubble on the other side of the room. A fallen rafter, slimy with mould, led up to more tangled fire-blackened wood in the ceiling. He could still hear the dreadful voice in his head, but it was muffled. It was trying to give him orders. Trying to give a cat orders. It was easier to nail jelly to a wall. What did it think he was, a dog? Stinking mud oozed off him. Even his ears were full of mud. He went to lick himself clean and then stopped. It was a perfectly normal cat reaction, licking yourself clean, but licking this off would probably kill him. There was a movement in the dark. He could just make out some big rat shapes pouring through the hole. There were a couple of splashes. Some of the shapes were creeping along the walls. Ah, said the voice. You see them? Watch them come for you, cat. Morris stopped himself from running. This was no time to listen to his inner cat. His inner cat had got him out of the room, but his inner cat was stupid. It wanted him to attack things small enough and run away from everything else but no cat could tackle a bunch of rats this size. He froze, and tried to keep an eye on the advancing rats. They were heading directly for him. Hold on. Hold on. The voice had said, You can see them. How did it know? Morris tried to think loudly. Can you read my mind? Nothing happened. Morris had a burst of inspiration. He shut his eyes. Open them! came the immediate command, and his eyelids trembled. 
Shan't, thought Morris. You can't hear my thoughts, he thought. You only use my eyes and ears. You're just guessing what I'm thinking. There was no reply. Morris didn't wait. He leapt. The sloping beam was where he remembered it. He clawed his way up and hung on. At least all they could do was follow him up. With any luck, he could use his claws. The rats got closer. Now they were sniffing for him down below, and he imagined quivering noses in the darkness. One started to climb the beam, still sniffing. It must have been within inches of Morris's tail when it turned around and went back down again. He heard them reach the top of the rubble. There was more bewildered sniffing, and then, in the dark, the sound of the rats paddling through the mud. Morris wrinkled his mud-caked forehead in amazement. Rats who couldn't smell a cat. And then he realised. He didn't smell of cat. He stank of mud. He felt like mud, in a room full of stinking mud. He sat, still as stone, until through muddy-caked ears he heard claws head back to the hole in the wall. Then, without opening his eyes, and with his heart beating hard, he crept carefully back down to the rubble and found that it had piled up against a rotten wooden door. What must have been a piece of plank, soggy as a sponge, fell out as he touched it. A feeling of openness suggested that there was another cellar beyond. It stank of rot and burned wood. Would the voice know where he was if he opened his eyes now? Didn't one cellar look like another? Perhaps this room was full of rats too. His eyes sprang open. There were no rats, but there was another rusted drain cover, which opened into a tunnel just big enough for him to walk through. He could see a faint light. So this is the rat world, he thought, as he tried to scrape the mud off himself. Dark and muddy and stinky and full of weird voices. I'm a cat. Sunlight and fresh air, that's my style. All I need now is a hole into the outside world and they won't see me for dust. Or at least for bits of dried mud. A voice in his head, which wasn't the mysterious voice, but a voice just like his own, said... But what about the stupid-looking kid and the rest of them? You ought to help them. And Morris thought, Where did you come from? I'll tell you what, you help them and I'll go somewhere warm. How about that? The light at the end of the tunnel grew brighter. It still wasn't anything like daylight or even moonlight, but anything was better than this gloom. At least, nearly anything. He pushed his head out of the pipe into a much larger one, made of bricks that were slimy with strange underground nastiness, and into the circle of candlelight. "'It's... Morris?' said Peaches, staring at the mud dripping off his matted fur. "'Smells better than he usually does, then,' said Dark Tan, grinning in what Morris considered was an unfriendly way. "'Oh, har, har,' said Morris weakly. He wasn't in the mood for repartee. "'Ah, I always knew you wouldn't let us down, old friend,' said Dangerous Beans. "'I have always said that we can depend on Morris at least,' he sighed deeply. "'Yes,' said Dark Tan, giving Morris a much more knowing look. "'Depend on him to do what, though?' "'Oh,' said Morris. "'Er, good. I found you all, then.' "'Yes,' said Dark Tan, in what Morris thought was a nasty tone of voice. "'Amazing, isn't it? I expect you've been looking for a long time, too. "'I saw you rush off to look for us.' "'Can you help us?' said Dangerous Beans. "'We need a plan.' "'Ah, right said Morris. I suggest we go upwards at every opportunity to rescue Ammon Pork, said Dark Tan. We don't leave our people behind. We don't, said Morris. We don't, said Dark Tan. And then there's the kid, said Peaches. Sardine says he's tied up with the female kid in one of the cellars. Oh, well, you know, humans, said Morris, wrinkling his face. Humans and humans, you know. It's a human kind of thing. I don't think we should meddle. Could be misunderstood. I know about humans. They'll sort it out. I don't care a ferret's shirt for humans, snapped Dark Tan. But those rat catchers took ham and pork off in a cage. You saw that room, cat. You saw the rats crammed in cages. It's the rat catchers who are stealing the food. Sardines says there's sacks and sacks of food. And... There's something else. A voice, said Morris, before he could stop himself. Dark Tan looked up wild-eyed. You heard it, he said. I thought it was just us. The rat catchers can hear it too, said Morris. 
Only they think it's their own thoughts. It frightened the others, mumbled Dangerous Beans. They just stopped thinking. He looked absolutely dejected. Open beside him, grubby with dirt and paw marks, was Mr. Bunsey has an adventure. Even Toxie ran off, he went on, and he knows how to write. How can that happen? It seemed to affect some of us more than others, said Dark Tan, in a more matter-of-fact voice. I've sent some of the more sensible ones to try and round up the rest, but it's going to be a long job. They were just running blindly. we got to get Ammon Pork, he's the leader. We're rats after all. A clan. Rats will follow the leader. But he's a bit old and you're the tough one, and he's not exactly the brains of the outfit, Morris began. They took him away, said Dark Tan. They're rat catchers. He's one of us. Are you going to help or not? Morris thought he heard a scrabbling noise at the other end of his pipe. He couldn't turn around to check, and he suddenly felt very exposed. Uh, yeah, uh, help you, yeah, yeah, he said hurriedly. Ahem, do you really mean that, Morris? said Peaches. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, said Morris. He crawled out of the pipe and looked back along it. There was no sign of any rats. Sardines is following the rat catchers, said Dark Tan, so we'll find out where they're taking him. I've got a bad feeling that I already know, said Morris. How? snapped Peaches. I'm a cat, right, said Morris. Cats hang around places. We see things. A lot of places don't mind cats wandering, right? Because we keep down the vermin... We keep the... Uh... All right, all right. We know you don't eat anyone who can talk. You keep telling us, said Peaches. Get on with it. I was in a place once. It was a barn. I was up in a hayloft where you can always find a... Uh, uh... Peaches rolled her eyes. Yes, yes, go on. Well, anyway, all these men came in and I couldn't get away because they had lots of dogs and they shut the barn doors and uh, they put up this kind of kind of big round wooden wall in the middle of the floor and there were some men with boxes of rats and they tipped the rats into the ring and then, and then they put some dogs in too. Terriers, he added, trying to avoid their expressions. The rats fought the dogs, said Dark Tan. Well, I suppose they could have done, said Morris. They mostly ran around and around. It's called rat coursing. Rat catchers bring the rats along, of course, alive. That's what's happening to ham and pork. Rat coursing, said Dark Tan. How is it? We've never heard of this. Morris blinked at him. For clever creatures, the rats could be amazingly stupid at times. Why would you hear about it? he said. Surely one of the rats who... You don't seem to understand, said Morris. The rats that go into the pit don't come out, at least not breathing. There was silence. Can't they jump out? said Peaches in a little voice. Too high, said Morris. Why don't they fight the dogs, said Dark Tan. Really, really stupid, Morris thought. Because they're rats, Dark Tan, said Morris. Lots of rats, all stinking of one another's fear and panic. You know how it happens. I bit a dog on a nose once, said Dark Tan. Right, right, said Morris soothingly. One rat can think and be brave, right? But a bunch of rats is a mob. A bunch of rats is just a big animal with lots of legs and no brain. That's not true, said Peaches. Together we are strong. Exactly how high, said Dark Tan, who was staring at the candlelight as if seeing pictures in it. What, said Peaches and Morris together. The wall. How high exactly? Huh? I don't know. High. Humans were leaning their elbows on it. Does it matter? It's far too high for a rat to jump, I know that. Everything we've done, we've done because we've stuck together, Peaches began. We'll rescue Am and Pork together then, said Dark Tan. We'll... He spun around at the sound of a rat coming along the pipe and then wrinkled his nose. It's sardines, he said. And, let's see, smells female, young, nervous, nourishing... 
the youngest member of the trap disposal squad was trailing after sardines. She was wet and dejected. You look like a drowned rat, miss, said Darktan. Fell in the broken drain, sir, said Nourishing. Good to see you, anyway. What's happening, sardines? The dancing rat did a few nervous steps. I've been climbing up more drain pipes and along more washing lines and he's good for me, he said. And don't ask me about cats, boss. I'd like to see every last one of them dead. Saving your honour's presence, of course, Sardines added, eyeing Morris nervously. And, said Peaches, they've gone to some kind of stables right on the edge of town, said Sardines. Smells bad. Lots of dogs around. Men too. Rat pit, said Morris. I told you. They've been breeding rats for the rat pit. Right, said Dark Tan. We're gonna get ham and pork out of there. Sardines, you will show me the way. We'll try to pick up anyone on the way who looks halfway sensible. The rest of you should try and find a kid. Why are you giving orders? said Peaches. Because someone has to, said Dark Tan. Ham and pork might be a bit scabby and set in his ways, but he's the leader and everyone smells that and we need him. Any questions? Right. Can I come, sir? said Nourishing. She's helping me carry my string, boss, Sardines explained. Both he and the younger rat were carrying bundles of it. Do you need all of that? said Darktan. You should never say no to a piece of string, boss, said Sardines earnestly. It's amazing some of the stuff I've been finding. All right, so long as she's useful for something, said Darktan. She'd better be able to keep up. Let's go. And then there was just dangerous beans, peaches and Morris. End of CD 3